Hi there, my name is J.D. Mangrum, and I have the privilege of being the pastor at Christ Church Charlestown. I want to tell you, happy Palm Sunday, and if we've never met, it's my privilege to meet you, and we're honored you would be here. Over the course of the next few minutes, we're going to experience worship, and I'm going to ask you for a favor. At the end, when you go to our website, to a special page we've got set up, www.christchurchcharlestown.com connect, and fill out a connection card just to give us a record of your visit. Along those lines, if you're joining us today by Facebook Live, I just want to say thanks. And usually you're told you can't talk in church. Today you can totally text in church, and we would love that. We'd love for you to do that. Three other things really quickly. One, if you have a need, uh, we know it's, a, it's just an extraordinary time we find ourselves in. If you have a need that we can serve, please go to our website and just let us know of that need. Totally private. If we can help you, serve you, or bless you, that would be our honor to do so. And then finally, we're having an Easter egg uh, in-home egg hunt. We want to we want to give you eggs. We had stuffed eggs before Easter, and we'd love to pass those out into the community. And so, uh, Total social distancing, if you would like those, please let us know on our social media stuff. We'd love to to give your family eggs to do an in-home egg hunt over the course of this week. We know it's a, a ridiculously trying time for our little ones, and so if that can make their life a little more fun, that would be an honor for us. So thank you for being here. It's a privilege to have you with us, and God bless you. So a few years back, I'm preaching this really heavy sermon to the congregation I was pastoring. And we had told them because it was heavy and it was going to provoke a lot of questions, we said, you can text in in the middle of the message. So we deliver this thing and uh, and it's a heavy sermon. You can feel the weight of how heavy this thing's going. And I go to grab my phone at the end feeling like I totally honored God and delivered what he wanted to say on that day. And the first message texted in says, your fly is unzipped. And um, the all right, first of all, let me work through the spectrum of emotions. I don't know how you would feel in that moment. You can write that in how you would feel if you want. But uh, in that moment, I'm going from anger to wanting to laugh to disappointment to embarrassment, all of it. It probably went on for like five, ten seconds, but it felt like an eternity. And, uh, and so finally, I did this sort of like move that pastors will do with something like, let's pray, or I need to turn around and look. And I look and I check my fly, and I realized that my zipper was zipped up the whole time. And I look over at the guy. His name's Joel. He's watching today. Joel, I, I can't believe you did this to me. Kathy, he really did it. And, uh, and I look at him, and he's dying laughing. In that moment, Though, for me, it was like some relief washed over me, but it took a minute to get there. There was disappointment and everything. And, I, and I, we live in, in worlds where we can run through all those emotions, sometimes really quickly, sometimes over a long period of time. Like, we, we might have a job that doesn't work out like we thought it would. I, I, we have dear friends who got themselves into marriages that they thought were going to be incredible I and mean, then the marriage wasn't what they thought it would be and there was this embarrassment and disappointment that they're working through. We've all uh, known people who had kids who didn't turn out quite like the parents would hope. We've, I've known kids who the parents didn't turn out like they would have hoped. Um, some of you even deal with depression and anxiety and other emotions that you work through and there's all these feelings of, I don't want to feel like this. I believe in God. Why am I still even wrestling through this stuff? And we have that moment like I had with my fly where we're, we want to turn and just recalibrate because we're disappointed and our expectations and our realities aren't the same. Whenever we get to those places in life where our expectations don't align with our realities, uh, the game totally changes for all of us. And 
people following Jesus uh, certainly dealt with that reality. Even when he was walking the earth, people were working through that for sure. I think that's what Palm Sunday is ultimately about. And so I want to read us today, if we can, the, the gospel story of Palm Sunday, if you wouldn't mind. So if you've got a Bible, we're going to be looking today in John chapter 12, and I'm going to read to us just a few verses. Let me give you the backstory really quickly, if I can, on that. So here's what's going on. Jesus is, uh, he's, his fame has risen for three years. He's been walking and teaching and doing ministry out in the, in the countryside, essentially. He's done miracles. He's fed thousands of people. He's even recently just raised a dead guy, a friend of his named Lazarus, and his fame is at an all-time high. And at the crescendo of all of that, he's coming into the city of Jerusalem. And here's what happens. Before I tell you what happens, let me give you a, a description. You think about, you talk about what we're, uh, we're talking about. I'm thinking about presents, trees, lights, candy canes, Santa. Immediately, we all think Santa Claus. Now, rewind 2,000 years. For the average Jewish person 2,000 years ago, they're living in the middle of the Roman Empire. And these people have lived, they lived for centuries under their own authority. And there's great King David, and that was the golden era of the nation of Israel. But that era went away because of their unbelief and their sin. And so now they find themselves under the Roman Empire and the Romans are taxing them to death and their bellies are empty and they just want to go back to the good old days is all they ultimately want. They want to go back to the good old days. And there was there are passages in the Jewish scriptures that would talk about the good old days coming back when the son of David would come and sit on his throne. And part of the ushering in of that, like we have these images of Christmas, the ushering in of that was this idea of, uh, of this king coming riding in on a donkey, on a colt. And then the people were going to wave palm branches before him and they would be laying their coats on the ground and they would be shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and not holding back, not doing sort of our reserved church stuff. But these people are just losing it. And so they know this. They've grown up with these sort of prophetic stories of what was going to happen. And here comes Jesus riding in on this colt. And all this stuff they've heard about for years since they were kids is now coming to be. And they're pumped out of their minds. They go crazy. They're losing it. So excited. Jesus doesn't even acknowledge it. He doesn't even acknowledge it. He doesn't. All this is going on and he lets it happen because he knows that he is the son of David. And he is coming to be a king. But he knows he's not going to be the king they think he's going to be, right? And so... They're all freaking out. The scene kind of ends. It shifts just a little bit. And there's these Greek people who happen to be in town. And, uh, and they come to a couple of disciples and they say, hey, we want to see Jesus. Would that be okay? And so these two disciples, Andrew and Philip, they go grab Jesus and they say, Jesus, there's some people, there's some Greeks who want to hear from you. Now, probably what they're thinking is, this is our moment. We can expand this movement. It's been right here in first century Palestine. Let's expand it to Greece. And maybe we can just overthrow the whole Roman Empire and be done with them. And we'll get our autonomy back. And that's where we find ourselves is here at that question today. And so I want to read to us today from John 12. 23 through 26. And Jesus answered them, the hours come for the son of man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. 
If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Four powerful, weighty, meaty verses. And I want to walk through them really quickly if we can. The first thing that we see here is Jesus saying, now the hour has come. How many of you are fans of The Sound of Music? You can chime in. If you're chiming in on Facebook Live, we don't just have to talk about Jesus and Bible verses. If you, if you love that, that movie or hate it, you're welcome to, uh, to chime in with one another on that. I like The Sound of Music. Natalie loves The Sound of Music. My wife, she loves it. And we love it for different reasons. So for her, as a kid, for years when she watched The Sound of Music, you know that scene at the end, it's like the Austrian talent show or something, and everything is built up to this point, and it's been doe a deer, a female deer, and making dresses out of curtains and all that stuff, but then everything changes with that talent show, and next thing you know, the Nazis are shooting up a monastery, and it's like, what in the world? For years, Natalie, Natalie never even saw that part of the movie. Never even saw it. That's my favorite part. Like, that's the point of the movie. You do all the doe a deer stuff to get to that moment, you know? Uh, she, she doesn't like that part so much. Whatever that movie had been about up to that point, everything changes with that talent show. And Jesus in this moment saying, the time is now here. Everything that's happened, all the miracles, all the feedings, all the relationships, all the friendships, all the everything, parables, teaching, all of it was to build to this. And now whatever has been, it's going to be different going forward. The next thing he says is in verse 24, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus is saying that the death, uh, a seed has to die before fruit and life can come. It's that disappointment piece. It's so hard to let go, to, to put in the ground and bury the things that we love. I'm, I'm thinking about some of our high school seniors who are part of Christ Church Charlestown. Uh, specifically, I'm thinking about Desheen and a conversation that he and I had the other day when he said, JD, I was supposed to play in the Boston High School All-Star Game. I'm not going to get to do that anymore. And he said, you know, now I guess it's even up in the air whether our seniors will get to even walk this year at graduation. And there's all these life moments that are dying. They're having to put these things in the ground. And maybe over the course of your life or right now, you're having to put some things in the ground and that's hard and watch them kind of go away. I want to tell you that I grieve with you. If you're grieving, that's okay. If you're grieving the loss of that, you're not broken or weird or don't have a have faith in Jesus or God or the situation, but that's natural. It's part of being human, right? If you're doing that, though, understand in faith that out of that, life comes. Life doesn't come until some things begin to die. And Jesus is talking about that, the death of our expectations uh, so often leads to rebirth and to new realities. Ultimately, Jesus in this verse is talking about himself in a powerful way. Skipping down to 25, and he says, whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. The word life is in there three times. It's two Greek words. Here's your nerdy Greek lesson. You can make fun of me if you're watching on Facebook Live at this point. That's fine. The, the first two lives are sort of life-life, like we see one another. Life. This is life. And Jesus says, whoever loves his life ultimately loses it, but the one who hates his life gains this other kind of life. It's a Greek word zoe. He gains abundant life. It's what Jesus is talking about in John 10.10 when he says, a thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come that they may have life 
and have abundant life, real life, eternal life, but also the best quality, a different quality of life here in this life. And Jesus is saying, the one who can let go of their life and hate their life and put it on the table will then gain this other life, which is the best kind of life. And then in 26, he says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. And where is he going? Where does he want them to follow him? To the cross. To the cross. Uh, following Jesus means we have to put in the dirt and go to the cross. All the sort of things that we want to hang on to. Any identities and anything that would be a barrier between me and him has to go. And that's true for your life. And that is certainly, certainly painful. And we deal with that at times. One of the a thing that a friend of mine said the other day was God never disappoints us, but he, w- he will be faithful to disappoint all of our false hopes. But this isn't a story. This isn't a message about disappointment. I don't want to be Debbie Downer. Listen, I want us to leave with hope today. That's the thing that we all need as followers of Jesus, for sure. This isn't a story about disappointment. This is a message about containers, I found a thimble. My wife loves to cross stitch and sew and stuff like that. And I think about thimbles. I, I love playing Monopoly as a kid. My kids still love playing Monopoly. I hate Monopoly now as an adult. Uh, I think about a thimble as just being such a small container. Here's the problem for the people in this story. Jesus wasn't the savior they wanted. See, what they wanted would really fit in about this container. They wanted Jesus to fill their bellies, set them free from Roman oppression, um, let them sort of return to the political good old days. That's all they wanted. They just wanted something really simple. Jesus wasn't the savior they wanted. Jesus, though, was the savior they needed. The savior they needed, what they wanted was full bellies, free taxes, and comfort. What Jesus was offering was death to self, salvation, and real life in a new and better kingdom right in the middle of this world so that they could even live under oppression and find joy and hope regardless of their political situation or economic situation, right? And so Jesus was offering them a bigger container. The same is true today. Jesus isn't even going to talk about being famous in our life. And I I don't know if you're like me. There's a part of me that just wants to return to the the thimble-sized comfort of normal life, like just being able to greet people and even do more of an elbow, just hug. Like I would totally encourage you, even as we're going through this, just shout out and talk with one another in the middle of this, because I think the thing we're all missing the most is the normal of speaking with one another and seeing one another on Sundays face to face. And we would say, Jesus, give us back that comfort. And Jesus says, I'm not trying to just give you this. I want to give you so much more. I want to give you myself and the kingdom and life and all of that. And so sometimes Jesus Jesus isn't going to be the savior that we've wanted, but he will be the savior that we need. And his perspective is better than ours. And so what he ends up doing is taking our thimble-sized expectations of him uh, and the disappointment that we sometimes feel with them and setting them aside and saying, I want to be a bigger savior than that. I want to obliterate your thimble containers and I want to give you so much more than you can ever ask or imagine. So God never disappoints us. As my friend David said this week, God never disappoints us. But, and we feel this, he is faithful to disappoint all of our false hopes. God will never disappoint you. 
but he will over and over and over, because he loves you, disappoint every one of your small false hopes about who he is and what he came to do and what he wants to do in your life. And so if you're feeling that, know that it's natural, but know that out of the death of those things, out of the disappointment or the embarrassment, like my, my zipper, uh, out of that comes life comes life and intimacy with God and real life and joy and abundance and everything else. And we don't get to that unless we put the thimble-sized containers in the ground and let them die. God obliterates our thimble-sized containers. A few years ago, I totally felt this. Um, From May 29th, 2009 to early, I guess it was like 2014, multiple things happened. We saw our two boys born. Uh, My granddad died the day after uh, my first son was born. He was the one who had led me to faith in Christ. Natalie's dad passed away just a few months after that, really unexpectedly. Uh, We had a lot of ministry stuff happen that was awesome, but it was also like emotionally a lot. We had some life stuff happen that was really even harder. And then out of nowhere, on some level, my dad ended up passing away, came to faith in Christ, passed away just a few hours after that. And uh, at the end of that, it felt like my battery had gone down and everything I thought God was going to be and do for me, all the thimble-sized containers just came out. There was a relational betrayal and all the formulas I had for God seemed like none of those were coming true. Like if I love God, then how can bad things happen? Or I was faithful and God was going to do that. Do you have stuff like that? And And God disappointed every single one of those things. All the formulas began to fall apart. And I remember talking with Natalie about it in Barnes & Noble, and she's so empathetic and so gracious, and she's such a much better person and better Christian than I am. She walked me through it uh, and led me on a process that led me to these truths. Can I read to you just a few uh, scriptural truths from Romans 8, Paul's words to the church at Rome? He says, What then shall we say to these things? God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies, or God who legally declares us right with him. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who is raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. In other words, if you're disappointed today or frustrated or just confused, know that God, Jesus is at God's right hand and he is praying for you and standing before God and cheering you on in the deepest level. Verse 35 of Romans 8, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? If you're if you have a paper Bible, old school, I would encourage you to underline that verse and so many phrases in, in this uh, section of Scripture. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, and I would add, or coronavirus or unemployment or economic uncertainty or the removal of normal and comfortable from our lives. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Feels that way. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, no viruses, no uncertainties, no economic realities, no layoffs, no... uh, no sort of prognostication from people, no negative news story, none of that, nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
I had small containers and God wrecked every single one of them. But what I learned out of that was that God was for me. So it didn't matter who was against me. I learned out of that and I declare it to you that Jesus is proof God is withholding nothing good from your life right now. If you wonder if God's withholding anything right now, look to the cross. He's not withholding anything. If he gave his son to die for you, why would he possibly hold anything else back? Nothing will separate you from Christ's love. And I learned ultimately that you are more than a conqueror in Christ. There's nothing that God is going to bring before you that you can't get through despite the disappointment or the embarrassment. Jesus wasn't the savior that I wanted. He was the savior I needed. He wasn't the savior they wanted. He was the savior they needed. He may not be even the savior you want right now, but he is the savior you need. And if we will put our dreams in the ground, he will raise them to life and do incredible things in us, with us, for us, and through us. Let God smash your small containers and build bigger ones. Grieve it but welcome it. That is the good news of the gospel. And so before I pray for us, I just want to ask us to do a couple of things if we might. First, I want you to live this week with the idea, uh, with this prayer. God, whatever it costs, wherever it takes me, whoever it requires me to love, whatever it demands of me, smash my small containers. Smash the thimble-sized expectations I have of you so that I would get all of the Savior that I need and not just the Savior I want. Literally, you might go and write that down somewhere in some version and pray that over and over this week. And if you're doing the Facebook Live, like, chime in and encourage one another. Do that. Do that. Let's hold nothing back. What would it look like in this holy week, as we call it, if we held nothing back? And then finally, if you are not a follower of Jesus, you've never turned from self-autonomy and sin and given your life to him, I want to invite you to do that. He is not going to be the savior that you want. He will absolutely be the savior that you need. He has journeyed with me through unzipped pants, and he has journeyed with me through the, what felt like the valley of the shadow of death, and nothing will separate you from the love of Christ. So let me pray for us, and then uh, we'll begin to wrap up. Thank you, God, for these friends who have sat and listened uh, and hopefully interacted with one another. And God, I pray that we will feel a sense of being closer to one another because of the last few moments. But even more, I pray that we will have a sense of your love and your proximity to us right now when our uh, expectations and our reality don't align. God, life can get crazy. And we find ourselves there, so many of us right now. But those are the moments when those dreams get put in the ground, those expectations get put in the ground. Those are the moments where life comes up. And so, God, I pray for people to live this week saying, God, I put my little thimble of expectations of you on the altar. And I ask that you smash it. And God, that an ocean of your love that, that no container can even hold will begin to just burst forth in my life and I would hold nothing back that I would be all in all on the table all for Jesus I surrender um, nothing held back and for people who are watching who maybe have never given their life to you maybe they're religious maybe they're not maybe they know the Bible maybe they don't maybe they're good maybe they're not maybe they go to church maybe they don't Father God, will you please draw them into you today and bring them to a point of saying, I hold nothing back. Jesus, I'm turning from everything I've been to this point, even everything I am, and I want to follow you for the rest of my life. God, give them courage to make that decision. Lord, help us. We don't want the Savior we want. We want the Savior we need. Help us to settle for nothing less. In Jesus' name I pray. 
Amen. So in closing, really quickly, thank you. I love you. I can't wait to hear what's been shared on Facebook Live. And even more, I can't wait to hear what God's doing in your heart. So I'm going to ask you in closing, if you would, go to our website, www.ChristChurchCharlestown.com, and then slash connect. And please, if you would, just share your name, email address, and then any decisions you've made. If you prayed a prayer and said, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm all in. Please let us know by saying, hey, I've decided I want to be a follower of Jesus. If you're making other commitments, if you want to be baptized, or if you want to be part of one of our Zoom groups, or if you just have a prayer request or need, please share that. We want to know that you are here, and we want to even hear and celebrate with you what God's doing in your life. Man, God bless you guys. Happy Palm Sunday. Look forward to worshiping with you on Easter. And then let me just say really fast along those lines, share, share this with someone. Invite someone to come worship with us next Sunday as we celebrate. Jesus' resurrection. Love you guys. God bless you.